in the name of a triune God of love. Just a note before I begin, Nancy today is at Wellesley, uh, her alma mater, and she's preaching there this morning. Um, She's not about to bust out of that door and interrupt my sermon like she did a couple weeks ago. Just in case you were on the edge of your seat. Now, since, since she's not here, I can tell you, when we read this gospel at staff meeting on Tuesday, she was gleeful about the fact that I was going to have to preach on it. Where do we even start in our search for the good news in today's gospel? I am going to start with Samuel, which George read to us so beautifully and dramatically, because it was very dramatic. And I'm not starting with Samuel to avoid Jesus on what sounds like a rather edgy day for him, but so that I can understand him better. Sometimes we need to spend time with Jewish scripture in order to better comprehend our Jewish Christ. We heard this morning in Samuel an important story in our human history. After the Israelites were freed from slavery under Pharaoh, they traveled across the wilderness and entered the promised land where they began to transition from being an enslaved people and then a nomadic people and then an established society. During this time, they were guided by prophets. Eli and Samuel were two of those prophets. But each time a transition in leadership was needed, things got off the rails a bit. Eli put his sons in charge, but they were corrupt. So by God's call, Samuel became the prophet to lead the people. Samuel's sons took over as judges over Israel, but they were corrupt too. So the Israelites, understandably, asked for a king to organize them and rule them help them to be victorious over the tribes that they were at war with, make them more like the other societies that they saw. Let me paraphrase God's response to their request for you. Well, God said, you could just let me lead you because a human king will enslave you, take your sons and daughters from you, and lead you into war. Whereas I, the God who already saved you once from slavery, will lead you and guide you with love. And the people said, that's nice. Can we please have a human king now? And God, perhaps regretting that gift of free will previously and irrevocably given, said, okay, you asked for it. And Saul was made king and there was great rejoicing. And then there was 500 years of mostly bad kings leading to the fall of Jerusalem in the 6th century BCE. So maybe kings were not the best idea. Maybe humans having power over other humans is not the best idea. I know it sounds radical and unrealistic, but Jesus was radical and was often calling for a new reality. Human power, because it is always limited by the limited point of view of a human, usually creates division. And while we celebrate the brilliant diversity of God's creation, division is not what we're after. It's actually rather quirky and brilliant, I think, of Jesus, that when he is accused in today's gospel of casting out evil spirits by the power of Satan, 
He names the weakness of division that even the evil one would know about. Satan, he says, won't cast out Satan and risk the weakness of division. Even Satan is smarter than that. So why aren't we, made in God's image, smarter than that too? Why would we turn our world into divided households via borders and wars? Why would we turn our country into a divided household by demonizing the good people on the other side of the aisle? Why would we have even created a political binary in the first place? Why would we make Christianity into a divided household by focusing so much on what we think other churches are doing wrong and so little on our common value of God's love? Why would we put up with a system wherein children are torn from their parents' arms, millions of minorities are incarcerated, the people in our community on average, have more money in our bank accounts and more square footage in our homes than most of the world. The resources of our world are used mostly by people with light skin, and proliferation of fear seems to be the main agenda of the screens that we have surrounded ourselves with. All of this is divisive. Why do we do it? Well, here's my hunch based on my read of Jesus today. I think this mess all around us has something to do with the fact that we are more comfortable with division than we are with unity. And we are still addicted to the notion of human kings and their equivalents. We limit ourselves to only having to really put ourselves out there for those who are most like us. Division is easier. And human kings... We like that they promise to do all the difficult and important things for us so we don't have to. And they help keep us comfortably divided. Even if they aren't corrupted by greed and narcissism, they can only have a certain number of priorities and they can only lead a certain number of people. And so human power poured into any one person by default divides us into separate societies, even within societies. We are made weaker by this division. And in a weakened state, we are not strong enough to avoid the drift from our true nature as agents of God's grace in this world. But we can fight this division. Not necessarily by abolishing our established governments, but by letting God govern us as faithful individuals. We can fight division by seeing one another, really seeing one another, not as the other, from another nation or political leaning or economic background or another religion, but as family. Jesus wasn't saying that his mother and his brothers were not his family. He was pointing out that he claims all of us as his family. When I see a father at the border already vulnerable as he enters a foreign land, have his two-year-old taken out of his arms, and I think of them as my brother and my nephew, I will not stand for the kind of human leadership that has done that to my family. I will not. 
seeing everyone as family fills our hearts with the kind of love that transforms this world out of the hands of human kings and into the hands of a God of radical love, a spirit of unbreakable unity, a Jesus who claims us as his beloved brothers and sisters. Now, I'm not saying that we need to abolish human leadership. We might just fall apart totally if we do that. Human leaders are often good and strong, focused on unity and justice. I would call that kind of leadership prophetic, not unlike the leadership that God came up with when he sent Eli and then Samuel to lead the Israelites. But we must question the control we give to divisive, power-hungry leadership, any kind of leadership that keeps us from the love of God and the unity of the, whole, the human family. The good news today, remember we were looking for the good news? The good news is that we have it in us to give power over our hearts and our lives back into the hands of God to unify this divided creation through every act of connection, every claiming of a sister or brother, every refusal to acquiesce to abusive human powers, every resource offered to someone who doesn't have as much as we do, every inch of control taken from the hands of the kings and given to our true leader, who is a God of immeasurable love. Amen.